You're listening to Marginalia, a podcast from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Marginalia is a space where the pastors and staff of New City discuss the scribbles and the margins of our weekly sermons and life together as a community. I'm Abby Murish, Director of Communications here at New City, and today I'm joined by Brian Ferry and Mike Privatera. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> well, today um, we're taking a look at the sermon uh, Mike preached on Sunday that covered John 5, 1 through 17. I, I was thinking, you know, you're just a few blocks away. We had you join us by phone uh, due to the f- influenza that has hit your house. I was thinking it would, would have been even more fun to put you in another room in the same building. So I thought like of that also. Glass, like quarantine. <laughs> and I was also thinking it's ironic that we're battling with the flu here in Cincinnati while two of our pastors are in the hot zone in Asia with the coronavirus. But here we are in Cincinnati battling our own flu issues. Yes. So thanks for joining yeah. us via phone. I am one mile. I'm one mile from the church building quarantine on my, in my attic. Called in. So, first first you're time. Welcome. Live called in. Little did I think podcast. we would be calling in from Norwood. Right. <laughs> Our first time with the call in guest. We appreciate it. Well, we, you did preach on uh, John 5 on Sunday, Mike. And maybe for those who didn't hear, or as a quick reminder, can you give us a brief synopsis of, of what you shared. Yeah. Yeah. I have to remember what I talked about. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we're going through the series in at the church, uh, focused on the encounters that various folks have with Jesus. And this week, we look at uh, John chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to uh, excuse me, 17. And this is a story about Jesus showing up at the, the pool of Bethesda, which was thought to be a um, magical pool where people would receive healing if they jumped in uh, when the water was stirred or when it bubbled. Uh, it's kind of a superstitious thing. Uh, and the story focuses on Jesus' encounter with this paralyzed man who's, who's been laying uh, either at the pool or just in Jerusalem. We don't know how long he's been at the pool, but he's been there for a while. Uh, but he's been paralyzed for 38 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus kind of shows up at the pool and says, do you want to be healed? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of to sum up the story, it's really about the power of Jesus to heal. Um, it has nothing to do with the strength of the man's faith. Uh it has nothing to do with like the purity of his heart. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. Actually, mm-hmm. when you read the text, he he doesn't he doesn't even know Jesus's name. He later encounters the Pharisees, and they say, "Who healed you?" And he's like, "I don't know." Um, so it's really about the power of, of Jesus to heal, to bring healing into into both this man's life and our lives, uh, and also, um, you know, his who he is. Uh, that he's not just this good teacher of morality or ethics, but he's also the, the one who has the power to do this. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I'm excited to talk more about this um, and kind of dig into some of the topics that you brought up on Sunday. Um, yeah, but before we do that, do we have some sponsors this week? We do have a sponsor. A sponsor. Our sponsor this week is the 100-yard pothole on Robertson <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> For over a decade now, this wonder of the world has been messing with car alignments, blowing bike tires, and cracking teeth. Eight out of ten dentists approve. It is known as the Grand Canyon of Norwood, and we're grateful for the grand support from the 100-yard pothole on Robertson Avenue. Wonders to behold in Norwood. 
and it's just Big one. Pothole. It is the grand pothole, but grand. how many others? Yes. Rival. Um, and then do we have a few announcements we wanted to make real quick before we dig in? Sure. Uh, for one, we've been talking some about um, the Church Center app recently. And uh, so two things need to be done. You need to download the app mm-hmm. and then update your information. So download and update. The Church Center app is has all of our groups and ways to sign up there, information about them, how to sign up. Also, all of the events happening in the life of the church. If you need to register, RSVP, you can do that on the Church Center app. And then so download it and then update the information in the top right-hand corner of the app. There's a little icon, and if it's gray and has a little generic person there, you can tap on it, make sure your email address and all those things are and put a profile picture so that the groups that you're in, you can put a name with a face, all those things. The Church Center app is probably the best way at least mobily, to stay informed and connected with what's going on in the life of the church. Yeah, and then I wanted to let everyone know that if you've had any questions coming out of the Encounter series while we're in it or about the stuff um, we've talked about here on the podcast, we're going to hopefully do a Q&A episode at the end of um, this sermon series. So if you have any questions at all, um, you can send them over my way, abby.murish at newcitycincy.org. You can either just type the question in an email or um, send me a voice memo, and we will maybe air that on our Q and A episode. And we'll um, remain; they'll remain anonymous unless um, we clear that with you beforehand. But yeah, let me know if you have any questions. Cool, that'll be fun. Yeah. So, Mike, what topics do you have, kind of, to get us going with as we talk about your sermon on Sunday? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I read about uh, one of the the passages dealing with the healing that Jesus brings in various people's lives. You see it's all in the Gospels. Um, there's healing of paralytics, there's healings of the blind, there's healings of those uh, who are deaf. Um, there, this is just this is part of what Jesus came to do. It's actually a sign of his ministry and his power, uh, a sign of the kingdom come uh, to a broken world. Anyway, I, I read those things and I always struggle with the, the reality of just suffering in the world today, because I know, I don't know about you guys, but I know lots of people who are struggling with uh, just physical ailments, you know, mental mental uh, struggles, anxiety, depression, things like that. I know lots of people who are in need of healing, and, and people who are uh, believers and, and sincere followers of Jesus who are haven't received healing in their lives. And so, um, it's one of the things I struggle with. I struggle with a little bit in the sermon, talked about it a little bit, but it's, you know, I, I thought we could go more in depth than that, and what, what just wrestling with this topic of the problem of, of mm-hmm. suffering in a, in a broken world mm-hmm. when Christ suffers healing and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it struck me on Sunday when you mentioned the, the multitude of people there. Mm-hmm. We quickly hone in on the guy that Jesus honed in on, and he received healing. But it made me think, like, like you had said, well, what about all the other people? And then I can't remember where I heard this. Somebody said, you know, what happened to all the people whom Jesus healed? They're all dead. They all, they all died, right? The healing, yeah. even the healing yeah. that we so long for in this life, and that is not a bad longing, right? We want to get rid of the brokenness and have those things healed. But we have to acknowledge that even that it's temporary. It's for this life. Uh, and, and that, sometimes it's hard to think outside of the suffering, particularly when you're dealing with something chronic, um, something that really does derail your life. It's really hard to think outside of that, but you know what does Paul say? You know, there's for our present suffering, there is a, a glory that we cannot imagine. You know, coming, uh, and so 
it seems capricious or selective. Um, but talk maybe a little bit more about that, that, you know, why this guy and not the multitudes? What do we make of the fact that this guy had the healing? Others, and any, you even mentioned it too. It wasn't about his knowledge. There mm-hmm. probably were other people in that crowd who maybe knew Jesus or knew of him more. Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is that it's the Lord's will to heal him. It's yeah. Jesus that Jesus wants to heal him. And, and I mean, it, there's really, there's no explanation of the fact that Jesus sees this guy. Well, it says in verse 6, you know, he sees him and he knows how long he's been suffering. Um, and then he asks him that question, do you want to be healed? Which is, again, kind of a, a, a weird question. Right, why uh, else would it be there? Six, yeah, duh, Jesus, yeah. Of course, I want to be healed. Um, I'm, I'm here waiting for this bubbly water to try to get into it and, and you know, get my fix. But ultimately, it has nothing. Yeah, the, the text is very clear. It has nothing to do with the strength of this man's faith or his prayer life or uh, his his purity. I mean, Jesus will even say to him later on in the passage, like, go and sin no more. Uh, that nothing worse would happen to you. And that's a whole other tangent to get into. But this idea of, like, who knows what was going on in this man's life before, but he's not, he's not your classic, uh, you know, we think of the healings a lot of times someone who has great faith or someone who has great trust in Jesus. And that's not this guy at all. So then how do we make sense of, or what's the point of praying to God for healing, having faith in healing, having hope in healing? Because from where I sit, you know, this isn't the full answer, answer but like that just makes you vulnerable to be disappointed mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. so what's the point then of having faith and praying yeah or how do we even go about mm-hmm. it if we are in suffering how do we appro- how do we approach it like how do we pray how, yeah. what do those prayers look like how do we how do we not enter into a situation where our hopes are dashed or we end up feeling yeah. disappointed like or setting ourselves up for disappointment? hold hope in the resurrection of the risen lord with this very real knowledge that our world is sinful and deeply broken and everything won't be fully fixed until he returns to make all things new. So I just, that's something I feel like I'm working through every day. So, and y'all have any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that? Yeah. How do we, how do we pray? How do we approach these things? And then how do we do so in a way that doesn't set us up for disappointment or that how do, what doesn't shake our faith? I think like where, what does our faith look like? That's robust enough to, Yes, because I feel like sometimes you hear people talking about healing, praying for healing in such a way that then if it doesn't happen, it's who is this God I serve? Like, does he even exist? And so, well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago in the news there was that church yeah, that was praying for the was just deceased thinking. little girl, and that's, you know, yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole different a whole topic yeah, yeah. that we won't get into because I feel like there's ecclesiology issues there, yeah. too. But um yeah, that's what was on my mind. Is I that, just see that, and I see the pain and disappointment. You know, yes. I, there was some, you know, mm-hmm. yes, we, we see the promises of God on one hand, mm-hmm. but then sometimes the reality mm-hmm. um, on the other side. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think the how to pray question we have modeled in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was thinking about Luke chapter 18, uh, which is a really, if you look at the whole chapter, it's fascinating. And the whole, but you have the story of Jesus and uh, the blind beggar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's, he's on the side of the road. The, the blind man is, is sitting on the roadside begging, and he hears that uh, Jesus is coming by, and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. Um, mm. And, and then Jesus says to him, what do you want? 
He says, Lord, let me recover my sight. So I think there, there right there is a great model of what prayer looks like. Lord, have mercy upon me. Mm-hmm. Let me recover my sight. And isn't that the story where um, the disciples and other people were saying, hey, you know, be quiet. Or they do this a number of times, right? <laughs> be quiet. Yeah. Jesus doesn't yeah. have anything. You've yeah. got more important things you to do. You don't get what Jesus is here for. You know, somebody <laughs> shushed his prayer. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. children do this all the time. When one of the other kids pray, they sort of like shush it or correct it. Be like, no, you should have done. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know. Let the prayer be what the prayer is. And you know what? I may not have said it that way. And there may be some inaccuracies there in what you said, but sort of, um, so what you're saying is like honest prayers like that, crying out prayers, we have scriptural examples for that. And that's good. We should just let it fly, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and James, James, the apostle, mother of the Lord tells us, uh, if any of you is sick, let him call the elders of the church. Mm-hmm. And they should anoint them with oil and pray for them. So there's also the community aspect of having others pray for you. Um, so I think it's very clear in Scripture what it looks like to pray for that and how to pray for it very simply, then also involving others uh, in community to pray for you. But it doesn't necessarily, like, that's not a magic formula because, mm. we, again, we have this John 5 story that Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And the man says, hey, I got nobody to put me in the pool. Jesus says, get up, you know, take he, he, he's expressing like, hey, I can't get him in the pool, which I think is going to heal me. He has, he has no faith that Jesus can heal him, and yet Jesus still heals him. So mm-hmm. we don't want to put too much on the formula or the method mm-hmm. um, at the same time. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder how much of the way we approach things of faith is formulaic um, just because of our western logic orderly you know presbyterian just got to be decently and in order so if you do a plus b then you will get c and it just seems like maybe that's not the way it works it's not formulaic or mathematical in that sense this summer well mike and i we went through the book of ruth um, in one of our theology labs and i was struck in that book of naomi's suffering before i'd always seen ruth and boaz in the story but naomi stood out to me and she was widowed, lost both her sons, returned to her home, like, with nothing, you know, this immense suffering. And she came back angry at God. Like, she wanted to change her name, let mm. me be called bitter, because God has dealt, you know, bitterly with me. And I was struck, though, that she was still bitter at God, but she still chose to be with God's people and make her home among them and be in the presence of God in that sense. Mm. Um and then that opened her up to receive like the healing and blessing of the Lord. And so for me, that I know that it's better to be in the presence of God and his people in disappointment and hurt and being open to the way he's going to minister to me in that instead of distancing myself from community mm-hmm. and um, expecting an answer to my prayer one single way. So that's something that's been on my mind um, the past few months. Now, that's a great thought because I can see how it would be really easy particularly if you are longing for healing or longing for something and someone else gets it and you don't, that your instinct is to pull away from the community. Well, I'm out. If they got it and I didn't, then I'm out of here. Inside, that's the inner child mm-hmm. that our kids do to each other all the time. But it, it, to, to stay even in the midst of that is a powerful thing and ultimately is better for long-term health. Yeah, and I love that the book of Ruth ends with Naomi holding this baby that we know is in the lineage of Christ. No blood relation to her. She has Boaz and Ruth, no blood relation. But she ends saying, like, the Lord has essentially seen my affliction and chosen to bless me. 
And so she was still able to receive that as a gift, even though her sons were still dead, her husband's still dead, <laughs> all yeah. these things. And so that's been something I've been thinking, like I said, a lot about. That's great. So thinking about community, Mike, I liked what you talked about on Sunday that, you know, that man who was by the pool, he was left alone by his family, by his friends. There was no one there around him. Um, and you talked about how, as a church community, we don't want to be the people who leave someone alone in their suffering. So do you have any examples of what that might look like, or have you seen that in your own life, people coming around you, you coming around someone else, or just what might it look like to live that out? Yesterday, our family and my three kids have the flu. I may have a touch of it. And we've had a couple of folks from church. Uh, we still have the flu, right? We've not been healed. Um, but maybe I should try to, like, I know my kids with oil and try to get rid of the fevers or whatever, um, just for my own sake. Uh, but we've had a couple of folks bring food over to us. It's kind of unannounced. Like, hey, we're bringing you dinner, um, which is amazing. That kind of means support um, because that was, you know, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know, uh, they could have left it to ourselves. I didn't, I didn't even solicit that. It's just like as simple as a, that kind of community. Like, uh, uh, hey, we know you're suffering. We know you're struggling. We're going to support you. It's a very concrete thing. Um, but also, I think praying with and for one another, uh, and sitting with one another in our suffering. And you know, the church community—one of the gifts we have to offer each other is our presence with one another, and our presence uh, in suffering. You know, it, it, it could be as simple as, "If I'm hurting, you're there to listen to me, share it, and not necessarily make it better, uh, but to be there in solidarity with me." Now, folks talk about. Uh, the story of Job, which is this entire meditation on really this topic of why is there suffering in the world? A lot, a lot of commentators point out Job's friends did a great job by showing up and sitting with him uh, in his suffering. They sat there for you know, a couple of days. I want to pass in front of you for a while. They and then they them. opened their mouths. And then they opened their mouths. Yeah. It's really, it's really difficult to have that discernment as to when to speak and when to stay silent. I reflect back on when my dad died when I was 17 and I had... Uh, ministers from our church show up and sit there. But I don't think at any time there or following anyone pointed me to Christ. I don't think anyone said, God weeps too. Jesus suffered and he's with you in the suffering. Now, eventually I came, you know, and it may have just been where I was um, and I was not able to receive what they were offering. I mean, being 17 and having something, that's, there's a lot going on when you're 17. Um, but And it wasn't until later, you know, what is that C.S. Lewis quote that God whispers to us in our joys and speaks to us in our pain? Pain is God's Gosh. megaphone to rouse yeah. a deaf world. And it mm -hmm. certainly roused mm -hmm. me, I think, from complacency as I came to Jesus um, in a way that I hadn't before in college when I sort of was in the depths of suffering. But how do we know, like, when to speak and when to shut up? Being there is maybe the first step. Um, but how do we know when to, when to say what, I mean, is it just a matter of discernment and prayer and maybe not being too quick to speak? I, I don't know the answer to it. I just, I, looking back, I wish somebody would have said something, but I know that things like people said things like you're the man of the house now, um, or, you know, people. I can tell you that's not a helpful no. thing to say. Or, you know, people, no, you, know, you don't want to say like, you know. 
God has a new angel or, or everything all things works, work works together. Good. good. Yes. Romans eight twenty eight <laughs> is true, but that's maybe not the moment to quote it. Um, and it's true in the context of the whole chapter, which right. no one quotes that fully. Yeah. I don't know. I may have just swatted the bee's nest there, but. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's a wisdom issue. Mm-hmm. Where I need, I need to pray for discernment and wisdom. But I do, you know, you do this like I was thinking about John chapter eleven. You mentioned this guy weeping, and it's like, you know, John eleven forty six, the shorter first Bible, Jesus wept. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, Jesus, I, Jesus shows up. No, it's not forty six. I wonder. It's in there I, wonder John 11. I wonder if it's even as simple as maybe not providing answers, but just continuing to show up. Not only just physically present, but just occasionally if somebody's suffering, just saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I know that you're hurting. How are you? Or, you know, following up with a text every once in a while, especially if somebody loses, you know, loses a, a parent, loses somebody in their life. Everybody else goes back to life as normal, and they're still sitting there suffering. Just to know that they're not forgotten it, it can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, there can be a place yeah. to asking a person what they need and want. And mm-hmm. that's, I think this takes mm-hmm. wisdom, too. But saying, like, do you need me just to be here with you now? Or would you like me to pray? And there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. And one of those is not more spiritual than the other. Like, what do you need from me? Like, how can I serve you now in this moment? Um, and giving people the freedom to feel like if they say, I don't want you to pray for me. Like, that's not... It's an okay it, it's answer. An okay answer. Yeah. Like, I need to sit in whatever the Lord is doing right now. So, Yeah, because the, the idea of suffering is one thing mm-hmm. uh, when you're not going through it and going through it is another. I mean, that's kind of C.S. Lewis's, right, the, the problem of pain versus, versus a grief observed. Mm-hmm. They're both really powerful works on the problem of suffering, but from two totally different perspectives. Mm-hmm. One's dispassionate, looking at it philosophically. The other one is him dealing with the loss of his wife. And um, I guess depending on where somebody finds himself, maybe depends on how we mm-hmm. engage. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And how distant they are from their pain, too, I think. And and pain, I mean, in my experience, I was very suffering in my life. I can know all the right answers. Like, I can have an intellectual understanding of, uh, you know, all the, all the theological problems with the evil and suffering in a broken world. And it's, it's one thing to know that intellectually no suffering intellectually is nothing to experience it. And when you're in the midst of suffering and you're experiencing, you can know all the right answers and someone can tell you all the right. Answers. Oftentimes the pain speaks louder than those, those, those correct answers. And yeah. so it's like, that's mm-hmm. not actually helpful. I mean, I, I remember sitting in times of suffering and knowing exactly what I would tell someone in suffering and trying to explain to myself and being like, that's stupid. That's mm-hmm. not helpful right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to, to know it's nothing to sit in it. And it's not less spiritual to keep your mouth shut and sit with someone. Cause I mean, that's the very thing that Jesus did in the incarnation mm-hmm. was that he came into our broken world. And yes, like he preached and he taught and he healed, but ultimately he was with us. And that's what we remember in the incarnation. So that's, gospel-centered ministry to be with someone in their pain even if you don't say anything that's following the example of our savior and that's not a lesser of work to just sit with someone and maybe it's a good Mm -hmm. it's a good practice to talk about these things when we're not experiencing Mm -hmm. suffering 
so that when we are, we have that foundation to draw on. I heard, I've heard somebody talking about running like in a marathon, there comes a point in mile 24 and I've never, I don't have the ability to run a marathon. I don't think it's not going to be hashtag life goals for me, (laughs) but apparently somewhere in the twenties, 24, 25, your body starts to revolt and you have to like have a memorized answer of why you're doing this. And you just tell yourself over and over again, why it is like whatever your motivation or whatever your goal is. And like you, you have it pre-prepared beforehand so that when you're in the midst of the suffering a few miles before the, the goal, you have that to draw on. And maybe that's why it's good to talk about these things, talk about suffering, talk about, well, what does it look like to pray for healing before we're in the need to pray for healing? Because we will, there will be some suffering that comes uh, in this world. You will have troubles. So maybe it's good to do it in the cool of day in your mm-hmm. community groups and your families to talk about suffering so that when it happens, you have some common language or thing to draw on. Yeah, Jay and Catherine Wolf, um, they've written a book called Hope Heals. And she was 26. They had a four or five month old son, I think. And she suffered a massive brainstem stroke and completely well. paralyzed in rehab for two years with her infant toddler son, like totally upended their life. And they talked about exactly what you're saying, Brian, where they had had, unbeknownst to them, kind of two years of preparation and training mm-hmm. for what is suffering. And she laughs about it now, but she says, you know, and I mean, they're in, still in the heart of suffering, recovering from a injury of that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when they were in the hospital, she felt like God was saying, like, this is not a drill. <laughs> like, this is the real thing. This is what I've been preparing you for. And so you've been equipped and now you are ready to suffer well. Um, and to hold on to hope in that suffering. So, yeah, I think that practice is so we're ready and know when it's not a drill. We're yeah. No one in, this, in, the, in the broken world we live on this side of the fall will escape pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, either either you've already experienced it, it you're experiencing it now, or you will. I mean, even that's on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point in which there will be pain and grief in our lives, but no one will escape it. And the beauty of the church community is that when I'm suffering, there's someone else in the community who has suffered. And so I think, you know, so often we want to, in the church, like, uh, pretend like we're all having our best life now or whatever, and, and you know, put on our Sunday best and look like we've got it all together. But the reality is everyone's experiencing sort of suffering. And our, and our experiences of suffering can be a gift to someone who is suffering currently. You know, this is Henry Allen's got a whole book on this called The the wounded healer and this idea of uh, it's until it's not until I experience suffering that can really offer hope uh, to those who are suffering. Just to be like, I know what you're going through. I have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that in some ways, that's, that's the way, one of the ways that God redeems and uses our suffering. Um, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't mm-hmm. make it go away. It doesn't make it but it can be uh, mysteriously a gift if one else gets it. Good word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Abby, you got something to wrap us up today? I do. So this is um, a quote, or it's going to be a few paragraphs, from the book called In the Shelter by Padre Gotuma, who's an um, Irish poet. And this is his memoir. And he's talking about how do we make sense of healing and not being healed in the context of community? And how do we hold both those stories of faith um, as we live our life among one another? In many circles of faith or spirituality, there is generous time given to the testimony, the telling of the story of conversion or reconversion, 
of enlightenment or change. It is a moving thing to listen to the testimony. That testimony, if not told or heard unwisely, can be a colonization of a single experience into a universal requirement. Jesus fed me when I was hungry, we hear, and those who are hungry feel bereft. Jesus healed me when I was sick, say the healthy, and the burdened feel more burdened. Meditation cured me of depression, say some, and others make plans to hide their Prozac. Upon whom is the burden of words? I don't know. I don't think there can be an answer. I cannot dampen gladness because it will burden the unglad, but I cannot proclaim the gladness as a promise that will only shackle those already bound. Faith shelters some and it shadows others. It loosens some and it binds others. Hello to what we do not know. What I do know is that it can help to find the words to tell the truth of where we are now. If we can find the courage to name here, especially in the place you do not wish to be, it can help you be there. Instead of resenting another's words of gladness or pain, it may be possible to hear it simply as another location. They are here, and I am there. The pain is only deepened, though, when the location is resented, or even worse, unnamed. Hello to here. I pray that as a church we can be a community that holds both these places of healing and faith and suffering um, together as we make sense of our stories and follow our Savior. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, yeah. thanks for calling in, man. I hope you and the family get well soon. Thanks. Definitely by Sunday. <laughs> Bye, Mike. Bye, Sunday. Got to preach again. See you guys. See you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Marginalia. For show notes or for more information about New City Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at newcitycincy.org. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for listening.